Yeah. Do both of you live with your family? Um, yep. I do, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, how you can never move out before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm living on my own right now in uh, Dawn. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's, that's kind of like moving out. Yeah, I'm the first one out of my family to do it. So my mom's like super, yeah, she calls me twice a day, every day. Mm-hmm. Do you like dorming? I actually really enjoy my own company, but I hate yeah. my roommates. <laughs> They're the trashiest kind of white people. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, so they fill it up with dish soap in the morning mm-hmm. and they wash all the dishes in that baldi the whole day. So imagine throughout the day, all the grease and stuff collects there. That's gross, yeah. Yeah, and imagine, so what, first thing I see is that it really ruins yeah. my mood. Christmas is like mood But you know what's weird is like we get judged all the time for using lote, lota. I know, it's like, do you not wash your ass? Yeah, exactly. And everything is, <laughs> that's disgusting, but everything else is all right, you know? Yeah, and now that it's catching on in the Western world, you know, it's called a bidet, it's super fancy, and it's like... Well, it's catching on, it's catching on in Europe. <laughs> America still has ways to go. Over here in America, yeah, it's all toilet paper. People barely even use them. Um, some people are moving on to those, you know, those moist towels. Those towels, yeah. So they're specially made to be flushable, so you can flush them down the <laughs> toilet. And some people are using those, but most people they don't care. They just uh, forget about gore. <laughs> like I had an Indian roommate. Even he was like super judgmental of it because I guess not every Indian uses a lota. So he'd be oh. like, "Oh, toilet paper." I was like, "Dude, I thought I thought Indians use the same." Yeah, I thought we had that solidarity and understanding. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah, apparently not all of them. Welcome everybody. In this episode, we'll talk about London. So we're taking you to the streets of London, and we have two guests on today. The first one is Kainat, and she's 19 years old, and she was born and raised in London, right? Yep, that's me. Okay, so then the second guest is Saf, and he's 22 years old. He moved to London at 14. And where did you move from, Saf? Uh, I've lived in Karachi all my life before that, so. Okay, great. Yeah. So this will be interesting. The top country where we get the most listeners from right now on this podcast is UK. Ah, Interestingly, UK was, I think, number three or number four as of like two, three weeks ago. And it just jumped up suddenly up above the US and above Pakistan as well. So now it's now the number one country. Wow. So it'll be cool to give them a voice and uh, yeah, get you guys some Instagram followers. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so you guys can tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Like, I'm in third year um, of my uni. I go to this university called City University in London. Um, I'm doing computer science. I don't have no goals, so there I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Like, I do not have anything specific in mind right now, which is really bad because I'm in my third year and people around me have like a clear idea of what they're doing and they, what they want once they graduate. Me, I'm just way too laid back, I suppose, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Like you say laid back, I say nikumme. 
that's, uh, yeah, that's like. And by the way, these two know each other. They're friends in real life. So. Uh -huh, not just with me. <laughs> She's not meeting him for the first time. That's why she can call him to come on. Anyway, I was going to mention actually that I could relate to just not knowing what you want to do in life. And oftentimes I think now that I have the benefit of hindsight, right? That I'm not in college anymore. Um, it seems like people are confident and they know what they're doing, but actually I wouldn't be surprised if most of the people around you aren't fully certain. I guess so. Like, people do seem to mask it well. Definitely something I've noticed, especially in university. If you actually ask them or like kind yeah. of find out that you're, they're literally in the same boat as you. Yeah, I have to like sort of stick to my guns with my degree because I'm doing politics, so it's not very common for Pakistanis to take it. Um, so when I was explaining to my mum what I can do, she's like, "Get kaun si job milegi iske baad?" I really didn't know what to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Ah, Yeah, you um, could be one of those one of those ladies on ARY News fighting with all these uncles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if if my life goes to hell after my degree, that would be my backup option. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, Kai, so go ahead with your introduction. You already kind of mentioned your major, but maybe a little yeah, bit more so about yourself. Are you really a model? No, no, not at all. Who told you that? <laughs> no, she, he asked me, and I just went along with it, and I told um, him, you're a model. <laughs> And you've got your headshots done. <laughs> I asked him because somebody had told me that. I think maybe he did tell me that. It would do you well to never believe anything Seth says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm studying politics. I go to a pretty good university. And yeah, I'm, I've moved out of my house for the first time in my life. I'm enjoying city life. I'm in central London right now. So I've lived in the same small town my whole life. I was born there, raised there, went to school there. Uh, and this is the first time I've sort of ventured out. The town where I live is very Pakistani. Oh. Uh, it was basically like being in Pakistan. Wow. Yeah. What about your school? Is it mostly Pakistani kids or is it a good mix? 80% I'd say Pakistani. Same Whoa. with my neighborhood. Yeah, That's crazy. no. Definitely. Uh, the rest were Indian and then very, very few white people. I thought it would be good for the listeners to know that Kai and Saf both met on Discord on our mm -hmm. Pakistani servers. So uh, they met online first, they became good friends, and then they met up in person. They're not dating, as far oh, as no. I know. Yeah, they're actually so, two from a group of people who met, right? The London crowd met, and they, yeah. they do meetups every now. It's because um, UK is much smaller, so it's much easier to meet people, whereas like, you know, but I think meetups in Pakistan would be quite hard. And then in America, for example, it's so big. I don't see how you'd cross the distance just to meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Dan from our last episode, he, he mentioned how he lives in the middle of nowhere. He lives like actually just, I think, two, three hours away from me. Not too mm -hmm. far, but I know where uh, the direction that he lives at isn't very diverse. So he mentioned one of the reasons he joined Discord was to get closer or and meet more Pakistanis online. So, oh yeah, same. So yeah. the type of Pakistanis I grew up with were like very close-minded and they gave me really <laughs> negative perception of them uh, and to the point where I was a coconut. So do you know what that means? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I was very much out of touch with Pakistani culture. I kind of denied like anything to do with it. And then in January, after five years, I went to Pakistan and I really, really enjoyed it. And that's uh, when I decided like, you know, what am I doing? 
So when I came yeah. back, I was looking for ways to connect to more Pakistanis, and that's how I ended up on the Discord server. Mm -hmm. I joined to shit talk, so that's my thing. <laughs> Wait, what's that? What, what did you say? Yeah, I just said I joined to shit talk. And <laughs> it, I didn't have anything in mind. So He's really good at I that. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, they let me in and they, you know, let me do my thing. And here I am. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we get all sorts of people. I think the only type of people we don't like are creeps. So yeah. if you're not a creep and you just want to make friends online who might potentially be living close to you so you can meet up with them in person, make some real life friends possibly, then you should join our Discord community. I would yeah. recommend it. Because I was very similar to Kai, actually. Growing up, uh, Kai, not, uh, like your age, around 18, 19, I had a very negative perception of my own people. I, yeah. uh, I was very white from the inside. So <laughs> like the, the place where I grew up was mostly white as well. So I started you know, just kind of shunning Pakistani culture, music, everything. I just didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And then over time, I just realized, hey, actually... They don't have to live close by, but they can be pretty open-minded. You can find them using the power of the internet. That's the thing. Like, it did joining the Discord server totally changed my perception of it because there was so there was so much diversity in views and the type of people mm -hmm. you meet there. I mean, you get baguette with like Seth, but also some really really cool people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seth is cool. He keeps our server alive, actually. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my own weird way, I guess I do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we mentioned, Kainat, that you were born and raised in London. And you've gone back, what, once or twice? Um, I went, I've been three times that I can remember. So for a short period of time when I was a baby, I was there. Um, mm -hmm. I went when I was eight, when I was 13, and just now. So no, January. Oh, wow. Okay. So what changed your perception this time around when you went back? Okay, so the first two times I went with my dad. I'm from uh, Jhelum, uh, about an hour or two out of Islamabad. So the first two times I went with my dad, and he's from this really small, very Bandu village. And I just, <laughs> oh God, I went for the first time. And my, okay, so my dad and my mom, they painted these like really romanticized visions of Pakistan. Like, you know, it's so green, there's fresh food, you know, there's such a good community there. And when I went there, I was like, why is there cow poo everywhere? Seth, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe he'll relate to it if he's from Karachi. I'm not sure. No. I do not relate to that. It's city life. So, That's... yeah. Well, Punjabi villages are especially like that. I can, I guess, relate because my dad is from Kashmir and I've been there like three times and that's basically where you mentioned like the village life so i sort of can't relate see when i went this time i actually found that quite quaint i could see the appeal of that kind of lifestyle i don't think i'd ever be able to live in pakistan but i feel like it's a nice sort of change for westerners because our pace of life is so different it's insane you know it's so much pressure here and you know what's the weird part is? Um, you go there in the beginning, you find it so odd. Why does it smell like cow poo? Why? The weird part is after those two, three months, you start liking it. You're like, oh my God, <laughs> it smells like cow poop. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I ever got to that point, but I did really like the atmosphere. Um, and just, okay, so when I was staying with my dad, because the village is super like tender and closed-minded, I was only like, pretty much allowed within the house's four walls but this time i did some more like traveling my mom's really like uh relaxed she's like oh bizarre job girl um so i looked around a lot one yeah. thing that really stood out to me about Pakistan is how much people stare how much people what they just stare 
Oh, staring. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I traveled around the cities as well, and I thought, okay, so I hadn't been for five years, and obviously it has changed a bit since then. Um, and I was a bit more open-minded this time around as well. Which I feel like definitely changed my perception of it. Yeah. Did you have any restrictions? Like, you're not allowed to go outside? So I find it very weird as, like, um, so there I have to wear full shalwar kameez, dupatta, um, when you go to, like, bazaar, like, sarpebi dupatta koro. Um, and that's something I've never done here. Like, even when you go to the masjid, I've never worn a scarf here. Um, Astaghfirullah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, Role model, Kai. Kids who are listening to her, please don't do that. Um, and that's just something I can get onto as well. Some I'm really not religious, so I've never identified with religion, and I find that that sometimes conflicts with how Pakistani I want to be versus how Pakistani I can be. But I just mm-hmm. can discuss that later. But yeah, I found that a bit weird. But it's like when in Rome, I found like that was part of my experience being super lazy for those two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, but then when I got home, it did feel like a sense of relief, like. Wow, we have uh, things that you take for granted in Western countries, like traffic lights, clean water. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, over here, people don't stare as much, so perhaps yeah, that kind of yeah. mitigates a reason to... Yeah, that's the thing. So I did go out without um, a scarf on my head once to like my village bazaar, and like you get stared at. So it makes you want to wear it, right. just because you don't want that kind of attention. Even the guys get stared at. Like I, I would get stared uh, at. Yeah, I hate that when that happens to me. <laughs> What's your uh, perception, Saf? Going back to Pakistan, or maybe before that, I guess coming to London and when you were fourteen, like was there a huge culture shock there? Um. Okay. So the thing is, prior to moving here and like settling down here, I had been here like three times. Two of those were basically when I was like like early in my early teens. So I kind of knew the stuff that goes around here. Like I wasn't like completely alien to it. So mm-hmm. there wasn't much of a culture shock moving here, right? Like uh, initially, I guess it happens when you're, uh, when you're that age, it kind of happens when you start going to school and mm-hmm. then you basically realize how different things are, you know? Because you, when you're in Pakistan, you obviously... Even in your like an English medium school, you're used to basically speaking Urdu all the time. You move here, it's all like English and stuff, and you're not that confident in English. Like that's my personal experience anyway. Right. Cultural wise, it wasn't that much of a shock. It's just like most of it came from my school life, which initially the first school I went to wasn't that great to be honest. Because reasons, because obviously I was one. I was new, so that's always a big thing. Yeah. Secondly, I wasn't that confident in myself or how I spoke, so I was initially very quiet and stuff. But I guess you just get used to it. So my parents are obviously probably took them more time, and I don't think they're completely, I guess, integrated yet. I feel like they don't feel as much pressure. Exactly, but. As someone who goes to school and stuff and like interacts with people on a daily basis, it's a bit different than you like, mm-hmm. kind of have to force yourself. Um, so the accent is like a huge thing, I guess. Like initially, I, I suppose I had a really like Pakistani accent mm-hmm. when it comes to English. So I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not saying like I was like forced to pick up on it if mm-hmm. I did. And but uh, it like definitely was like a huge thing in the back of my head, like, I have to, 
you know, start speaking in the way other people are speaking just to, I guess, fit in, or I guess, literally to not get laughed at at school. People can be quite cool. They are. Um, yeah, it's cool. So, you know, you kind of expect yeah. that. But getting laughed at, is it mostly from other uh, Pakistani people or is it? That's the actual thing. Like, okay, so the Pakistani people, so where I first like moved and like went to school in Sheffield, which is like northern kind of like north, northern England. The basic thing is you don't expect that many Pakistanis to be there in, you know, northern England, I guess. But um, most of the people who kind of made it hard for me were the Pakistanis. I don't know. They just... It was like that. It's very similar in the United States too. The white people here, the Americans, they don't really care yeah, exactly. about your accent, right? At the workplace, at school. I've never really, maybe in high school or some of the more immature age groups, usually beyond high school, I've never seen that kind of ridicule at people's differences. The brown people here, they do put a lot of pressure on each other. Exactly. You fix your clothes, you don't look right. Or fix your hairstyle. Yeah, I have no idea why they like brown people make it try to make it harder for each other supposed to be the other way around but i actually did have it the other way around in that um i was told you know to stop trying to be white even my own dad he was like you know don't try and fit in with white people because by the time you realize by the time you've changed so much that you realize you can't you won't even be Pakistani enough to fit into your own community and that's something that really stuck with me it's like sort of you know, what do I do? Um, you feel like you've got one foot in each culture. But right now, um, it took a long time, but I feel like I'm really happy with the balance I have now. Yeah, so I can't, you know, with the white people, you can never fully be, you know, going out clubbing at 2am because <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, or with Pakistani ones, like, um, you know, the super conservative, like, just stay at home and make routine. I was never fully down with that either. So... It's about finding a balance for everything, I'd say. And finding what makes you happy, because uh, like you said, even if you do get sort of uh, heckled for it, at the end of the day, you know, if listening to Pakistani music makes you happy, then who cares what you think? <laughs> I, I think there's a certain age where you just stop caring mm. about fitting in and just being more yourself. I don't know what that age is. I think it's different for every person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, you have struck a balance uh, for like okay. three years, but like once you go back, it's back to rotis. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, within within that joke, there is a point. Of what I've noticed in myself, Kai, um, you guys mm-hmm. might experience that too. Is I was just like you in the sense that I I related more to the non-Pakistani side of my environment, and I chose to integrate more with non-Pakistani culture. It just kind of uh, kept my, kept a distance, and then slowly mm-hmm. over the years, it just became naturally more and more interested in my original background just like trying to learn more about our culture and now i'm like i I guess i would call myself maybe 50 50 but i think it's different for every person unlike you i wasn't born in america so i i feel like i have more of a reason to relate to the place where i was born whereas you so you might settle at maybe 70 30 70 english 30 pakistani so for me it's like uh so out of my siblings, I'm the only one who doesn't read Urdu. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like they tease me for it. I mean, they don't mean it seriously, but they tease me a lot. Um, especially because, you know, I don't, I can never fully partake when they're all joking and laughing. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of, uh, I felt bad. Like, I, sh- I felt like I should be able to pick up on stuff, especially like, you know, um, jokes in Punjabi. Um, sometimes I don't get them. Uh, I'm just really left out. So I always thought, like, 
you know, just for the sake of fitting into my own family a bit more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to get a bit more connected to it. Um, especially since, okay, so I told you the people I went to school with, they were very, like, the not great type of Pakistani, but I had a gap year between when I finished school and started university. And it's in that time when I was away from those kinds of people, I thought, okay, there must be something else out there. Um, yeah, that's when I found this balance of Western Pakistani culture. Right. So, uh, Saf, going back to going to Pakistan, what's the longest you've been there when you went back? Um, so the thing is, I haven't been back since <laughs> I moved. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. It's been eight years? Yeah, eight years. Little brother basically thinks he's going to die if he goes to Pakistan. So... <laughs> How old is he? Uh, he's 15 right now. So I guess when he moved, he was like seven or eight. So, yeah, he is really like, really paranoid about visiting so he wouldn't visit uh pakistan right now because he says he has exams next year so he doesn't want to go now because he has to study but all he does is play playstation all day but that's an excuse for not going it's an excuse yeah okay (laughs) not about me okay i I'm talking about my brother here, okay? I... I'm really excited to go as well again because I enjoyed it so much this time and I only went for two weeks. My mom said, my mom went for the whole month, actually nearly six weeks. And she's like, you know, um, just come for that long. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to like it. And then she said, you're going to regret it. And I was like, yeah, right. And I really regret it. Um, I had such a good time. So next time I do plan on going for longer, but I'm also a bit, okay, so this is one thing I really didn't expect when I went to Pakistan. Um, Rishte, oh my God. People, like you're Rishte? Or... Yeah, people don't have anything better to do. Oh you're God. only 19. I know that. <laughs> my mom knows that. <laughs> yeah, they're just, you know, and I asked them the most, oh yeah. They're like, huh, what are you And my mom's looking at them. Oh man. <laughs> so that makes me a bit nervous to yeah. go back, but um would you, would you guys ever would you guys be open to getting set up? Uh, um, no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> um, at this point I don't care. <laughs> I've given up. Mil- <laughs> <laughs> uh, red boy, it's an invitation. Let's find Safa girl. I mean all I ask for her to be alive, like what else? <laughs> she needs to be breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're only you're only 22. You got time. Seriously. Oh yeah, I was, I was joking. Yeah, you got like five, six years. Mm-hmm. Not really though, because I'm scared. Uh, my mom's in Pakistan, so you know, you never know what she comes back uh... with in her luggage. <laughs> in her luggage. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Is halal a big thing there too in London? Oh yeah. Yep, it is. There is a halal shop like on every corner. It's literally crazy, like literally everything is halal like i've had like i have like more butcher shops in like 10 minutes away from me that i had like in like the whole half of like karachi like i literally can go out as like there's like six halal butcher shops right (laughs) you go to subway even like that is halal really okay yeah yeah in my area i guess major chains like i have like a cave like halal kfc as well near mm-hmm. me like 10 minutes away from me yeah um it is a big thing i guess people mm. do take it seriously like yeah definitely most of the like you know like no matter what are you doing how religious you are but like you have to there's a thing that you have to eat halal i guess like you can be literally like doing everything bad but like, 
apparently you have to eat halal. So yeah. it's not a that big a problem in London as like finding halal food. Like mm-hmm. it's literally everywhere. I think also the way Pakistanis here tend to be is um. So I feel like in the US they're much more spread out, whereas here they tend to congregate in the same places. So um, with that you do get like the you know the halal shops, the desi clothes shops, everything sort of pops up, uh, and that's a big complaint that um. Not a huge complaint, but like it comes up in the media a lot that Pakistanis refuse to integrate. But it's because they're also drawn to those communities where everything they want is already available to them. And one thing that was funny though, in my hometown, it's very Pakistani, it was mostly Pakistani. There was a lot of pubs before, and a lot of them shut down because there was no one going to them. Mm-hmm. And then there was like small protests about that, like Pakistanis are taking over and, you know, putting <laughs> local businesses out. Yeah. It kind of happened here too. Basically, every now and then, a halal store open up. Sometimes under a franchise name like KFC or something, mm-hmm. you'll get these protests. All oh, Muslims are trying to bring Sharia law into America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sharia law everywhere. It's, it's just a food place, man. Calm down. I, know. I feel like Americans get very um, hyper about stuff like that. Like, there's just so much fear mongering in American society. Oh, yeah. Is that is that a big problem there too in London? Um, it was become. I'd say. Since uh, all these sort of terrorist attacks and things, there is more yeah. prevalence of really yeah. ne- like negative views and like quite racist people. But at the same time, like there's a huge amount of people who, like go against that and say no, no, you can't generalize people like that. Um, yeah, it, so there is more. American politics have, uh, I guess, had an impact here as well. I think so. Yeah, and I suppose people are more vocal now uh, yeah. than before. But uh, luckily, they only get, they are like only like vocal on the internet. It's quite a small minority of people yeah. as well. It's not that harmful because most of them do their stuff on internet, which, you know, doesn't really amount to anything at the end because, you know, you can just ignore ah. it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, American politics are definitely like impacted, um, I guess. I'd say the thing that people here um, really don't like is that uh, it's not super, super common, but it is fairly common enough to note. Um, so there's a lot of women here who do like garb, including like the covering of the face, and people have a really big issue with that to the point where like they can be quite hostile. Yeah. Um, and there's been like protests and things about you know how they should make that illegal, that and also uh, mosques. So people have this like sort of, since this whole sort of ISIS business and extremism, they say like mosques should be regulated and stuff. And that's caused yeah. a lot of backlash and sort of like uh, misunderstanding between different communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, Americans are still trying to figure out what's the difference between Muslims and Sikhs. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you guys are a few years behind. You still got a while to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like if there's bigots in London, they're probably more educated than the bigots here in America. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, they know what they're hating. bigots are sophisticated. Yeah. They know what they hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just see someone brown, like, oh my god. It's like knowing someone you hate is like half the battle, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, educated hate, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Have you heard of Bradford? What? Have you heard of Bradford? <laughs> oh, no. Or oh, Newton? No, I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. Basically, we don't really help. You know, the what you mentioned about cleaning image, like cleaning, or like keeping a clean image. We yeah. don't really help ourselves either. No. If you think about it, because um, we do have like literally hate preachers in mm-hmm. in the UK, like just basically roaming around. 
Imagine, yeah. I guess. That you, I've seen people like even my own hometown, but also I've seen documentaries of like uh, Pakistani Muslim like extremists trying to implement, like trying to advocate for Sharia law in the UK. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. actually quite scary. Um, uh, yeah, more often than not, like and. The thing is, like, um, it's the people who do, who live here and are born here. They get mm-hmm. like caught up in it, and that's really like quite scary. Yeah, it's quite scary because it's not the people who move here or like haven't lived here all their lives. It's the people who are actually born here, and like, you know how this yeah. supposed to be. Sociological studies just be that generation. Uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, it's scary how easily they're like manipulated into like extremism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the thing, we don't really help ourselves either. So No, it's really not helping. We love to complain actually. about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an ongoing phenomenon here too, actually. And I think it's something that needs to be studied more. It's not studied enough, but kids who mm-hmm. are born and raised in the West and then they grow up and they uh, completely kind of go the other way. Yeah, exactly. They just uh, kind of reverse to the other side and uh, they go into one extreme. And I think there's a, a, a big contributor to that is just the fact that they growing up they get probably a lot of shit for being of a certain color mm-hmm. or a certain background without even knowing i know that when 9-11 happened i had no clue that religious extremism was even a thing like, i was only like 12 years old or 11. Mm-hmm. one day we were all watching the tv and we saw 9-11 on uh, while at school our teachers turned it on and we just stopped oh. studying that whole day we did not study anything there was no class we just watched tv and uh, everybody was united. Everybody was just like, what the hell just happened, right? And then the yeah. next day I came into school and people were pointing at me, the teachers too, not just the kids, wow. pointing at me, like staring differently. I was like, what the heck happened? So in one day, my my life really changed a lot. And I think uh, it, it changed how people started reacting to me for several years. That's really sad. Yeah, all the way till the end of high school at the very least. And beyond that too, of course. But especially in the school atmosphere, I just started locking myself in my house more and playing video games all the time. Yeah, I just started, I just stopped interacting with people as much as I used to. And uh, essentially, yeah. I just, I just kind of, uh, you know, uh, kept So I guess myself. you became more introverted rather than looking more different kind of type of company. Mm-hmm. Once I moved out of New York City, I was in a very suburb, not even suburb, but it was more of a rural town, mm-hmm. kind of like a farmer town with mostly white kids. And yeah, it was a different environment. It was very different. Were so, they nice? Uh, like I said, there, there was a there there was a clear change in people's behavior after nine eleven, mm-hmm. and you know that kind of shaped my childhood. It, it, uh, I think, and I think yeah. that I think it ch- shapes a lot of people's childhood. A lot of the kids that Saf is talking about who were born and raised in America or London, mm-hmm. but they feel like outcasts. Still. They're like fifteen year olds, and they don't know what to believe exactly yeah and lots of the beliefs they have which i i often say that's too young to have any solid opinion on anything serious yeah. right you should not be preaching to people at 15 you should be learning you should be learning yeah. all the way till 30 and then maybe open your also the thing that uh, i don't know they tend to be more in touch with i guess the religious side for some reason than the cultural side like they yeah. would like i guess like not speak a word of their mother tongue and like not have a clue about their own culture i guess and their background they would like literally know all the i guess the extremist stuff about the religion one good thing about culture like that the kind of in some cases kind of saves you 
like oh, yeah. being in touch with your culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course, religious knowledge, I think it's if consumed properly, yeah, and it's yeah. not just for Islam, it's for any religion. If consumed mm. properly, you you actually be a decent human being. I feel like all religions have a, have basic, compatible, and overlapping qualities. They all yeah. say, "Don't steal, don't kill, don't." You know, these are all great things, mm. and some actually need that kind of direction to ensure that they don't end up, you know, doing terrible things. I guess it's when people lose that sense of morality, or when that you know that gets twisted. So obviously, the way yeah, extremists groom these kids is by telling them that they're right. And these awesome little kids are being born and they're being subjected to this really hostile, strange world where they're being shunned from all angles. They can't relate to Desi culture because they weren't born in, in their mm -hmm. home, you know, in their mm -hmm. motherland. And they can't relate to Western culture because, you know, kids uh, make fun of their color or their background, you know, for whatever reason. So it's a very confusing time to grow up nowadays, I think. I did find that really unfair when I was growing up, that I was expected to be really busy and um, know everything about Pakistani culture, even though I'd never set foot in Pakistan. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it does sort of make you feel a bit um, mm -hmm. left out, I guess. Uh, especially, like, like I said, in family gatherings and stuff. They expect you to just know everything. Um, but obviously, if you've never experienced that kind of situation in your life, how are you meant to fit in? I mean, it has its disadvantages, and but the thing is, when you move at like a certain age, like I did, it's the mm -hmm. thing like you've already consumed everything yeah. you can as like as like, culture -wise. like the, yeah, culture-wise, like um, the Desi culture, I suppose, and then just like you only have to like you know consume the other side of it. Like you don't have to necessarily have to. You know, you have no pressure. Yeah, at one point I was so, like, uh, totally out of touch. My family used to affectionately call me the Jew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> affectionately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they still do. That's <laughs> so what my dad does to my uh, little brother. He just calls him a Christian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My mom does this a lot. Uh, she says this. Amerikina uh, bano, Musliman bano. Yeah, like, you can be a Muslim American. She's like, nee, nee, Muslim bano, tuh, Americana, bano. But I think I what she really means is like um, American qualities are non Muslim. Yeah, I feel like parents really have that fear as well. This sort of fear that their culture will get lost for generations. And I feel like um, Pakistani parents, particularly, can be quite tough on their kids about that. Um, yeah. yeah, so they can put a lot of pressure on them. Very, very, mm -hmm. very, very good Pakistani to the point where it can actually hinder them from. Uh, integrating into their new culture. Yeah, it can be scary for parents, I think. My With my little brother, they're obviously a bit more careful and they're like um, always telling him, you know, um, what to do and what not to do. And like, mm -hmm. um, you know, in schools, like only be friends with people like Pakistani uh, or like Muslim, you know, oh friends God. and stuff. Oh my God, my dad used to say that to me. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, like just roam around with Pakistani people and like stick with their own, I guess, whatever stuff like that. So with my little brother, they're definitely like that because he's obviously he's fifteen, so he's like still growing. And um, me and my other brother, we, who's eighteen, we're basically, you know, they trust us enough to, you know, I guess make good decisions. Yeah, so we're not gonna, you know, mess up big time. Thanks, Kai. Thanks, uh, Seth, for joining. This was really good. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Yeah.